Hey there. Howdy. Welcome to the Milwaukee Logic Podcast. This is episode six. As usual, Nicholas Huftel here, along with Ben. We only done six episodes. This is only six true episodes, uh-huh. yeah. We had a couple that could be almost considered two episodes, seems but like forever. wow, it's seen <laughs> it's getting it's getting old that fast. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, today we're not going to pick a particular topic that we're going to stick on for super long until we just get caught up in something and in- inevitably do. I'm sure this will lead to weird places. <laughs> but starting out with, uh, this was the weekend when Brett Favre, old Greybeard, old number four, the kid. I was inducted into the Hall of Fame, so we're gonna start off with just kind of our our earliest memories and like for me, like when he first kind of got big in Green Bay, I was not watching football really at all at that point. Yeah, he's what got me into football. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, being a being a guy from Buckingham, Wisconsin, obviously I was always a Packers fan. From you know, just indoctrinated into fandom, but. You know, as a kid, you don't really understand a lot of the rules. You don't, you know, like you're, you're, my dad's always cheering at stuff, but you know, you don't really understand it. And then as I'm starting to go, I'm starting to watch the stuff, and I, I just fell in love with football because of Brett Favre. Like I, my biggest thing that I always said, and this will, this is like, I guess, going a little early, but when he left for, uh, when he left for the Jets, and everybody got super pissed at him, obviously when he went to the Vikings, I always was like. Whatever, man. Like, he provided me so many years of happiness. I could never <laughs> hate him. Like, I was obviously not psyched that he was on a different team, especially the Vikings. But, like, he provided so many awesome memories. That oh, I, really? See, I loved it. Uh, you loved that he went to the Vikings? I loved it. When he, when he retired, and then there was that emotional press conference, and then he got the itch. That was the report. He's, he's got the itch over there. Yeah. Like, as he was retiring and having that, that, I think I told this story a little bit before, I come home and my roommates from, you know, northeastern Wisconsin, Green Bay area, and so he's laying on the couch crying, watching this, <laughs> and I told him, I'm like, don't worry, he's going to be back. No, he's not. What's he going to do? He's going to play for the Vikings. It's going to happen. He'll never do that. I mean, it has to happen. So just, if nothing else, then just... So, so you just love, like, the, the drama of it that he went yes, to? Yes, it was outstanding. I loved I watching Fire plays so much that, to me, he was bigger than the team. Like, I wanted the team to succeed, and I wanted the future of the team to be strong, and that meant that I kind of, at that point, wanted him to leave. But I wasn't done watching him play. So the fact that Aaron Rodgers, we could move on to Aaron Rodgers, and I selfishly still got to watch Brett Fire play so, made me happy. So... And I understand that. I know there's a lot of people that were like, I'm far fan first or whatever. Mm. But, but you weren't they rooting were for the Vikings, right? Like you were just rooting for for far. But was, I, the Jets and you just liked watching him play even though he happened to be in the Vikings. I didn't cheer for him when he was playing the Packers. Okay. But in all those other games, in the playoffs, in that insane last second bomb to Greg Lewis, what was that against the 49ers or something in the back of the end zone? You better believe I was cheering my head off. I wanted him to win. I wanted him to get an MVP. I wanted him to win the Super Bowl. Oh, see, I, I never could go that far. I never could root for the Vikings to win a Super Bowl. I was one that didn't hate him for leaving. Was totally like, 
I viewed it as like an amicable divorce. Like, all right, whatever. Like this isn't working anymore. There was great memories. We have, we have the kids <laughs> to think of, you know, like, let's be amicable about this. But, but it wasn't amicable. I know it wasn't. And it I, was I know there was a lot of hatred in it, but like as a fan, I kind of was like, all right, man, you gave me so many years of happiness. You go do your thing. It's going to be painful at times looking at you in that Vikings uniform. That year on the Jets was it's so weird to think about that one year where he was on the Jets. That was but, such a weird year because for, through the first 12 games, he was so good. Yeah. And the last four games, he messed up his shoulder. And he was so – and he obviously should not have been playing those last four games. If they had benched him, they probably wouldn't have made the playoffs that year. Maybe he could have gotten healthy for the playoffs. Probably not. That then, injury apparently was pretty bad. And then it's weird, too, because you're like, all right, the Jets, you know, it was maybe the last hurrah or whatever. And then you heard the rumors about he still had the itch and he wanted to go, you know, he was... But it had to happen. I know it had to happen. He was, I think it was almost out of spite for him and out of pride and stuff. But, I mean, those last two years he had on the Vikings were some of the best years he ever played. I mean, he was really good on the Vikings. Well, the second year of the Vikings was terrible. He had one game where he set his career best oh, in yeah. yardage, which is really bizarre <laughs> considering he couldn't move. The ankle from the Saints game, just mm-hmm. it was done. He shouldn't yeah, have played that, that year. Picture. But that first year of the Vikings was spectacular. Yeah, that was a really that was one of his best years he ever played. I don't know. It's weird. I remember so I went to I think it, I think it was two thousand yeah, it had to be two thousand six. Uh, I went to the last game of the season with my dad in Lambeau and they played the Seahawks. And uh Sean Alexander was on the Seahawks. This was the year 2006. Yeah, 2006. I think it was either the next year they went to the Super No, it was the year after, after the Seahawks. 2005, they went to the Super Bowl. Against the Steelers. Against the Steelers. Yeah. And, yeah. and Sean Alexander in the game in Lambeau set the uh, the all-time touchdown in a season record. And I remember, th- and the Packers were really bad that year. They had a losing season. They didn't make the playoffs. And I remember thinking, like, A, I remember as a fan being like, because we were like bottom of the barrel, like I kind of wanted them to lose so we'd get a good draft pick, but it was the last game of the season, and I thought it was going to be Brett Favre's last game ever, and I was like, holy shit, I'm witnessing history, and sure as shit, uh, fucking Favre had a good game, they won. They were 8-8 that year, that was the first Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy year, right? Uh, Because the year before that, they were like 4-12. That was, was the, that with in Ray 2005. Or what was that with Ray Rhodes or whatever? Oh no, that was like 2000. Okay, yeah. So that was that eight and eight Mike year. Mike Sherman after that. It was Mike Sherman for like five yeah. years. 20, 2001. I think they were eight and eight, but I remember there being something about how like if they would have gone seven and nine, they would have been in like the top ten of draft picks. And I remember thinking like as a like rooting for the team, I kind of <laughs> wanted them to lose because like I remember thinking like they get like they bump up like eight spots in the draft or something if they lose this game, but. Just when I was watching the game, I was like, fuck that. I want them to win. Like, I don't care about the draft. <laughs> and Favre had this awesome game, and they won. And I was like, holy shit, just witnessed history. Favre, last game. And then, little did I know, he ended up playing, like, five more years after that. Playing another, yeah. And 2007 was one of the that was most fun year. years I've yeah. ever watched in football. They went, I think, 13-3. and three, And mm-hmm. I thought it was fucking destiny until goddamn Eli Manning and the stupid-ass Giants one of the luckiest games I've ever seen. Talk about a team of destiny, though. Oh, my God. That that team. I they, have to be happy with them if for no other reason than they caused 18-1. and one. I know. But honestly, I, I almost wish I would. I would have preferred to see 19. I was so bitter versus the Giants after they, lo- after they beat the Packers. I think that might be the most heartbreaking loss I've ever had as a Packers fan. Because going into it, 
We were in Lambeau. Eli Manning at that time was not two-time winning Super Bowl Eli Manning. He was like the joke, shittier version of Peyton. Yeah. And I remember... Like, That's before we knew what was going on behind that blank stare. Yeah. We really, we actually believed at that time that he was an idiot. Yeah. That's before we knew that he was not an idiot. It was always like, oh, it's so cute that you're trying to be like Peyton. But he was just throwing picks like crazy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it was in Lambeau and Favre had set the record, you know, the... The touchdown record that year, and it was just all these memorable things. We went 13 Against the Vikings, by the way, yeah. which was perfect. It was just an awesome year. And then I remember go, it was in Lambeau, NFC Championship game. I have never been so confident that we were going to win a game. I was like, oh, this is Destiny. Favre doesn't lose in Lambeau in the playoffs. Like, what the fuck? That's not going to happen. Against <laughs> Eli Manning, get out of here. And I was just like, I was like making plans for a Super Bowl party. And fuck that game. Everything about that game was just terrible. It was brutal. From the, the missed field goal yeah. to the interception. To, uh, this, I remember there was this fumble that Ahmad Bradshaw had that like they, it, they kicked the ball around like 13 times and mm-hmm. somehow the Viking or the, the Giants ended up back with it. And I remember the whole game just thinking like the, the Giants had all these lucky-ass moments where I was like, how is this happening? And then it carried over to the Super Bowl and they ended up beating Tom Brady and stuff. But the Packers had a number of fumbles in that game. Yeah. Like, it was a very slap. Everybody remembers Favre's interception cold. at the end of the game. But the rest of the team actually performed so poorly oh, up yeah. to that point that to even be in a position at the end where you they could have won it was impressive. I think it was, it was really cold, if I can remember. And mm-hmm. I think that was one of those games where, like, you know, I think old, you know, Peyton Manning kind of showed it, like, Older, obviously not the last year because he was terrible, but, like, you can be 38, 39 or whatever and still play a solid game. But those frigidly cold games, like, that's when age really does kind of catch up to you. And I think Favre, even though he was so good in Lambo for so long, like, it was so cold that day, and he played a really bad game that game. It was pretty poor, even though he always said that he hated playing in the cold. Yeah, but, I mean, historically. Everybody was, does. Yeah. So. Um, What's your first memory of Brett Favre? Like you said, he got you into football. So I doubt you were watching that Bengals game in 92 and he came in for the Magic Man and had that crazy final minute drive to win the game. I don't know if I have, like, a specific first memory. I think my first memories of him are, like, like, I'd always, my dad would always be watching football. And, like, when I was really little, I'd just be kind of in the room and, like, playing with freaking G.I. Joes or something, you know. And yeah. Like be watching it but not really watching it. And I remember, like, my first memories of Favre was seeing him, like, you know, take off his helmet and sprint down the field like a little kid, like, all Mm -hmm. excited when he'd throw a touchdown pass. And I remember, like, as a kid just getting excited. Like, I didn't even know fully what was going on, but just being like, hell yeah. Like, this is my team, and whoever that dude is, he's super excited. And I just remember (laughs) immediately liking him and, like, slowly putting down the G.I. Joes and starting to, like, watch the TV more, like, over Mm -hmm. the course of one season. I don't even know what season that would have been. And just that was, like, my – the transition into, like, being, like, an infant to, like, a boy. <laughs> when Ben became a boy. <laughs> yeah. What was your – do you have, like, a specific first? Not really because, like, I still – like, our family, we didn't sit and watch football or really sports at all. So, like, his first few years of being good, like, I remember on the playground we'd be playing touch football – and, like, the, when you're a little kid and you're playing any sport, you have to, like, whenever you do something, you have to, like, 
yell out some prof- like big time player's name like you're pretending to be that person or something like that <laughs> makes sense somehow. But people will like, like uh, kids always be like, oh, I'm Brett Favre, and then they throw this terrible <laughs> duck that goes ten yards. But you're eight, so look, you think it's awesome. Yeah. But I did, it was really like I really didn't start watching at all until the Super like the Super Bowl thirty one season, and really I didn't start watching every like I wasn't like religiously watching every game until two years after that actually the year they won eleven and five and he threw a ton of picks. Two years after they won the Super Bowl? Yeah. When they, so they had lost to Denver the next year and then the year after And then after the year that. after okay. that, yeah. When they, they started to struggle, um, I think that that was, that was Holmgren's last year uh, before he left. And that was kind of the – that was kind of when the quality of the rest of the team kind of was deteriorating. And you got to see a little bit of just what Favre could really do. Yeah. Yeah, Favre is one of those, you know, I really, I really hope that he comes back in, you know, into the, like, whether it's an analyst or, I don't even know what he'd be good at, but, like, there was kind of a void when he left, like, he was just a, I don't know, I know he has a lot of personal problems and stuff like that, like, he had some addictions and he obviously, like, cheated on his wife and stuff, but he was just, like, a likable guy, he was fun to watch, and you hear him now when he's, like, the few times he's been on TV since he's retired, whether it was at like the ESPYs or like when he's been interviewed or something like that, he's just fun. Like, mm-hmm. I just want him back in the world. Him and like Donald <laughs> Driver, I want them to like host a show together. Donald Driver, <laughs> yeah, he's a lot of fun. How is he not an analyst or something like that? I feel like everyone on, in the world loves Donald. He's got Driver. that million dollar smile. If we could just like introduce Donald Driver to ISIS, like we would just fix all of our problems. <laughs> They'd be like, you know what? We're freaking wrong about America. Pretty good. Pretty cool. We don't need to blow people up anymore. (laughs) He's like the happiest man ever. Now we understand why you people like your stupid games. I remember the first thing that, like, solidified my, like, crazy fandom was Brett Favre was on the cover of a Nintendo 64 game called Quarterback Club. Yep. And that game, me and my buddy Nick Mistel played that ad nauseum like we played that game all the time and was just like fighting over who was going to be the Packers and stuff like that he'd always we don't you could play two player and he was always far and I'd always be like Antonio Freeman or something like that like the wide receivers and stuff and we would just run up the score on teams it was Mm -hmm. awesome I think like for me like obviously the dominance and like the just the blowouts of the Super Bowl year like that was kind of fun but that team was just so good. Yeah. It was kind of like when Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Like, I almost think that – it almost seems like Trent Dilfer could have won a Super Bowl on that team. Like, for me, it was those doldrums and the years after that Super Bowl before, like, the Amon Green era, like, kind of the middle of the Mike Sherman what, what do you, regime what do you when they Trent somehow Dilfer got like, good again. What? He could have won it on the Packers? That particular year – that team was so good. Oh, you're so okay. That you're team was, was so such an all around good team. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of crazy to me that they freaking lost to the Broncos the next year. They didn't even win their division that year. Yeah. They were so good though. Yeah, the ninety six and ninety seven Packers, that that was they were they were super good. It is kind of and this is like my girlfriend who's a Bears fan, unfortunately, would kill me if I were to complain about this, but the fact that we've only won two Super Bowls with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks since, you know, 92 or whatever is kind of a letdown. That brings up an interesting point. 
if Aaron Rodgers said screw it right now, like him and Olivia Munn were gonna move to like Tibet, <laughs> which so, would, for some reason like wouldn't shock me. Would Aaron Rodgers be a Hall of Fame quarterback right now? Uh that's a tough one. Um, he should be. Um, he is a shoe in. He just needs to literally like pad some stats right now, just by like more years of playing. He's a shoe in for how good the high, at what a high level. The fact that he's won MVP twice, the fact that he's won a Super Bowl. I mean, he's got the highest uh, passing rate. That's like I mean, that's what sets him apart. A lot yeah. of guys, like a number of players, have won multiple. MVPs. Kurt Warner won two MVPs. Yeah, Kurt, Kurt Warner's never going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, granted, he didn't break into the NFL until he was 29. Yeah, I was going to say, he would have been a Hall of Famer if he just had more time. I mean, this is one of those things where, like, Kelvin Johnson would have been a Hall of Famer if he just played more years, but I don't think he can be a Hall of Famer because he retired so early. If, I, I agree with that. If Rodgers would... And it's more difficult for a receiver. Oh, definitely. There's such a backlog. Like, Rodgers is Hall of Fame worthy. I don't know if they could justify putting him. I think he'd still probably get in just because of how impressive his career has been. I mean, he's been. The quarterback rating. So, you think about efficient, smart quarterbacks, you have to think of Tom Brady, right? As near, like, Tom Brady is, he has has a good arm, but it's not, it's not a Brett Favre arm. It's not even an Aaron (laughs) Rodgers arm. It's like arm strength wise, it's more similar to like like Peyton Manning never had an amazing arm. It's maybe somewhat similar to that, a little bit better ballistics and accuracy. Um, but he was the the like the new Joe Montana, or he is kind of like this era's Joe Montana, yeah. just the just cool, ultra cerebral, intense, focused, like going to execute an offense to perfection without really. He's not like a major ad libber. He just does things well. And the statistic that like has been banning about on social media is that Aaron Rodgers' next seventy three pass attempts could all be interceptions, and he would still have a better career passer rating than Tom Brady. Yeah, and that's why I think if he retired tomorrow, he'd still be a Hall of Famer. It'd be unfortunate because he's still got, you know, we talked about outside, he's 32 or 33 or whatever. He's still got a lot of great years ahead of him. Like, he could be that, you know, top three all-time quarterback if he... If he could throw another 200 touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of game left to play. But if you retire tomorrow, I still think he'd get in. The crazy thing to me is, like, so, Tom, I think that the Packers have been so close to being the Patriots of the NFC, like going to six Super Bowls, we have screwed up so many playoffs games. Like, there, there's just a stat that was posted the other day that Mike McCarthy has the all-time uh, lost on the last play in the playoffs. He's done it five times. Five times he's lost in the last play of a playoff game. That's insane. Well, that's there's fucking... two ways to look at that. One, that sucks. But B, every year the Packers are in the playoffs. And they never get blown – like, when's the last time the Packers have gotten blown out in the playoffs? Well, okay, there's the 49ers yeah, here. Yeah, the 49ers. And before that, you have to go back to what? When the Rams just destroyed, dismantled the Packers in 2003? I agree. I completely agree with you. But that's still, like, a disheartening statistic. I mean, just think about – They tend to win, they win by – three of those games out of those five games, 
I mean, every game is a reset. We could have gotten at least another Super Bowl out of that. Like, God knows if we would have beat the Seahawks that one uh, two years ago. I mean, so you mentioned before about the most heartbreaking loss. Um, yeah. To I me, guess, I spoke too soon. That seat, that that was that was big. But to me, that game was such a mess, and. I so you you were playing the Super Bowl. I didn't believe that they were gonna win that game. Like to me, that whole game just felt wrong. It just it was such a mess. There was so they were fumbling the ball all the time. They shouldn't have been close. The yeah. farm wasn't playing real well. Nothing. Nobody on the team was playing. Like Donald Driver had one like breakaway catch where he just caught a seam and made a big play. And other than that, it was a pretty rough game to watch. That game two years ago against the Seahawks. With two minutes left, I would have bet you any amount of money on terrible odds that the Packers were going to win that game, go to the Super yeah. Bowl, and beat the Patriots because they'd already beaten the Patriots that year in the regular season, and it just got taken away, well, whisked I think, away. I think what it is is the one season, 2007, was like the buildup of a like Disney movie worthy story of you know like this is this is Favre's Bond Voyage, like he's going to at age 38 or whatever he was. Take this yep. scrappy Packers team to the Super Bowl, beat the uh, undefeated. I mean, they might have lost, the, or they probably would have lost the Patriots. Whatever, but like, and that it, was the other reason why it wasn't as heartbreaking for me. Is because there was that Patriots. They were going into a buzzsaw, but I mean, it would it had like the makings of the all-time thing in the seat. They were thirteen and three. Like it seemed like such a perfect season, and I just didn't think Eli Manning was good, and that's why it hurt so bad. You're right about the worst loss I've ever seen is that Seahawks game because. And the worst part about what that was, was I felt like with six minutes out, you just started seeing it. Like, I remember how cocky some of my friends were when we were watching that game. And they were just like, go to the Super Bowl and stuff. And I was just like, dude, shut up, shut up. And we just kept making (laughs) these little mistakes over and Mm -hmm. over and over. And you're watching and you're like, no, no, this is, this isn't going to happen. Like it was so slow, but fast. Mm -hmm. And it just kept building up and building up. And then there was that point where you're like, holy shit, this could happen. I mean, it probably won't. But it could. And then it kept getting worse. Like, every mistake we made was just just like, ah, oh, like just grabbing your, pulling your hair out. And up until that time, like kind of six minutes left, up until then, Russell Wilson had been so bad. I know. And the Packers' defense had him so oh. flustered and figured out. And he just started throwing the ball really far down the field. And indi- almost indiscriminately, it seemed like, and it was working. This is turning into a very masochistic podcast. <laughs> we started all like, uh, love Favre, and now we're just talking about the worst. I feel like the Packers, though, nobody will feel sorry for Packers fans. We've had a great history. Like, Browns fans listening to this, or Lions fans, or uh, hopefully we have people listening to this. But, like, if Browns or Lions fans are listening to this, we're such going, a thing. Well, they're just going, shut the fuck up. Were there, be, were there to be a Browns fan or a Lions fan? So, like, in a parallel universe where they existed. And then if one of those were to listen to it, <laughs> then they would probably be highly offended, absolutely. But seriously, the Packers have had some rough playoff losses in the last 15 years. But, and, I mean, that's just the nature. 12 teams go to the playoffs. 11 yeah. of them are going to have a rough playoff loss. And it's almost good that the Packers, they don't get blown out in the playoffs. They've, I can think of two times they've gotten blown out in the last 20 years in the playoffs. And every other time that they lose has been... A super narrow defeat. So what's what's easier to accept, the Seahawks loss or the 49ers blowout? The 49ers blowout. Yeah. I'm I'm more able to hate Colin Kaepernick 
and that 49ers team, then I can hate the Seahawks. Oh, I hate the Seahawks. I hate Pete Carroll. I hate I hate them. Okay, so the loss, the game, the loss that made me more angry than any other game in the history of watching football or really any sport ever was the fail Mary game. Yeah. And that put Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. I already didn't like Pete Carroll and the way he his rah rah style, run around the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chewing gum. Wasn't a fan. And the fact, I mean, it's just the replacement refs. Those guys, they shouldn't have been refing the game. The the play, the call was just the play shouldn't have worked as well as it did, even though it didn't work and it was an interception. And then calling the interception a reception and a touchdown and stealing that game away and kind of how it that one game it kind of changed our positioning. We were chasing the whole rest of the year when kind of winning that game and flipping that game in the standings would have like kind of changed the outlook for the rest of the year. I feel like if there's three outside of obviously anytime we play the Bears, the Vikings, and the Lions, it's you know, division rivalry stuff. If there's three teams like I'm like geared up to play just because of certain games that we've lost, it's the Giants, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Seahawks. Like those three teams, oh, whenever yeah. we play them, like I want to win so badly. Like those games are almost more like those games are so much more intense to me than even like a Lions or Bears game. Well, maybe not a Bears game, but you know those games are intense to me. Bears games are fun. Yeah. Lions games, you kind of feel bad. They beat us at home last year. They did, but <laughs> that hail mary was. I mean, that made yeah, it all no. worth it. That made it all worth yeah, it. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know. Like the thing about Aaron Rodgers is, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna remember. There's so few bad interceptions in his career because he just doesn't throw interceptions. He doesn't take the dumb chances. But until this year, like this was the first year where it was like really fun to be. Like obviously the the Super Bowl year was really fun. The 15 in one year and just going to bars and just watching the Packers just annihilate team after team after team when their defense was so terrible they would yeah. just outscore everybody the greatest show on tundra like kind of like at the time yeah like that was a lot of fun but to me like the most it wasn't really thrilling until this last year when i i really respect aaron Rodgers more because of this last year than the 2010 and 2011 season when he put up such unbelievable numbers or the 2014 season when he put up such like great numbers uh, 2010 was kind of magical man that was uh it was but aaron Rodgers proved something this year when the chips are down and he's behind and he can't play it safe when he has to be a gunslinger yeah he proved well, that mean, he this, can this was his worst year he's ever had i understand statistically like brett Favre played yeah. Most of his years were with teams that weren't that good. Yeah. And if they were going to win games, he had to take really bad chances. And as a result, he threw 323-some-odd interceptions. And when yeah. they were down, the vast majority of his interceptions came when they were down by more than two scores. And he's like, yeah, screw it. Might as well make a play. If I don't make a play, we lose. If I make a bad play, we lose. So all hell not. Yeah, there was a great – Favre had an aura of just not giving a fuck that – I don't know can be replicated. Um, That's kind of like the joy. Like we started out, we were talking about Brett Favre, and I asked like when you first, when you like, when your first memory of Favre was, 
And to me, like, I didn't, like, really start watching until they were truly great. Like, I watched the old games when he first came up and, like, the their first playoff game against the Lions. And, like, and you hear, like, Holmgren's, like, calling a particular play. And he's rolling out to the left, and he's supposed to throw a hook route to the left, get, like, 18 yards, and then have an easier throw. And then he decides to just, like, wheel around, throw the ball 65 yards, across the field and then down all the way down into the end zone to, to an open, like a somewhat open receiver. So, and the coaches are yelling, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like there's just something about that. That's just more fun. Like for me, the year that made that I really fell in love with Brett Favre wasn't those Super Bowl years. It wasn't even like the, the 11 and five year in 98 is the year after that, the Ray Rhodes year. They he was running the worst offense imaginable. It was, was kind of painful. Year or whatever? No, that was an eight and eight year. Okay. The four and twelve year was two thousand five, but they still had somewhat of a defense at that point. And Favre had a number of games where at the end he just made a final play to win. Like they would have been like four and twelve that year if they didn't if they yeah. had another quarterback, an average quarterback. Was that the year that he played? Uh... <clears throat> I'll never forget the game that he played against uh, the Colts and Peyton Manning. They both, I think Peyton had six touchdowns and Favre had five. And it was just this, like, unbelievable. It was one of the that most. That was 2003. Was that 2003? That was one of the most entertaining games ever. It was just, like, asked, you know, it was Madden levels of offense. Just crazy. Like, that was this... the one year that Javon Walker was really good for us. <laughs> oh, God, Javon Walker. He, threw, he caught, like, 200. He had, like, over 200 yards receiving that game. That was the game where. Peyton Manning punked the Packers so bad because they get down to the goal line. And it was like you had the feeling there that whoever had the ball last was going to win. Yeah. They get all the way down, like close to the goal line, first down. And there's exactly two minutes and 40 seconds. And they race down and he's frantically gesticulating, calling plays, changing, like changing routes, doing all this stuff. And the defense is just like trying to figure out what's going on. And all of a sudden you realize that. Wait, two minutes and 40 seconds. The play clock's 40 seconds. He was milking you. He was just trying to fool you yeah. and so that you didn't call a timeout so he could burn all 40 of those seconds, have a couple crappy plays, score on third down, and win the game. He punked the Packers. That's where Mike Sherman was well, not a great coach. That's one of those coach. things that was legendary for. That's one of those things that I think Rodgers was really good at, too. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of interviews where Rodgers has talked about the influence uh, Peyton's had, like from like the you know the mental like the prepared going up to the line preparedness of it uh, that Peyton's had had on him, and I think that's the type of shit that Rodgers is so good at is like being able to trick the defense or like you know just doing some little thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Peyton definitely pumped the Packers that game. That's that's what's fun about how opposite. Favre and Rodgers are from each other, where yeah. Rodgers is very cerebral. He's a very intelligent person, like just outside of just even football. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a very smart person who can throw a ball very accurately and very hard, who's playing football, where Brett Favre was just a football player. Yeah. What else is he going to do, cut wood? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, I feel like he would have been like, I feel like I'd see him, you know. He'd be the drunk guy at the bar that you go and talk to. He'd be he'd be in some sort of like trade, you know, like he'd be a construction worker or something like that. Like I could see him with his feet, you know, his beard wearing some some, some boots and 
jeans, you know, making some some measurements or something like that. Sending some dick pics. Yes, yeah, of course. Of course, that I mean, <laughs> can take the guy out of the NFL, but. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it is kind of cool having like these two very different, equal, like I would say, almost equally great in their own ways, but so different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do you have one that you like better than the other? Um. I will never, I've never had as much fun watching Aaron Rodgers as I did watching Favre. And even when I watch old games on replays, just watching him play football and the sheer joy that he played with and, like, the raw emotion. Like, I guess I can identify more with Rodgers as just, like, from, like, having by the time he came along, I'd been playing Madden so long that I'd kind of gotten into the technical aspect of running an offense and, and like watching how he manipulates a defense is really enjoyable. But with Favre, he was never, he wasn't, it was like, a, he eventually kind of learned how to do it just from just the number of times that he like was in that position. Yeah. But the, the amount of times where protection broke down and he just made some like, he like shiveled, like swiveled his hips kind of stupid a little bit. And a defender just went the wrong way away from him. Like, he just fooled him somehow. Like, he, like the defender saw him in two different places. Like, he pulled a magic trick. And he would do that or just or just hold the football in front of their face like he's going to throw it right over him. He's not going to throw it. And they'd jump or they'd yeah. dive or whatever. And he'd kind of – by later in his career, he was so slow. It was like, it was like you know, he was like a kid playing peewee football but on the national level. You know, I mean, it was – just he was just out there like I remember seeing some some sound bites you know where they mic up the players like of old games or whatever mm-hmm. and there was one where the the guy the the defensive coordinator was coming up to him and telling him like yo they're playing like a nickel or something and he was like the fuck's a nickel like he just oh he like, so that story all right so that was his second year in Green Bay when Ty Detmer maybe it was his first year in Green Bay um Ty Detmer yeah first year in Green Bay so in the '92 season he had taken over the starting role. And Ty Detmer went from the third quarterback to the second quarterback, and that that wasn't during a game actually. That was uh, in a in a quarterback oh, it was in meeting. The okay. And Mariucci was up there, or Andy Reid was no, it was an offensive meeting. So Andy Reid was up there talking about this team, whatever team it was. Like they're talking about particular blitz packages. Like so, when they're in the nickel, they like to run these three blitzes, or however many, like these particular blitzes. And Brett and Favre just kind of like leans over. He's like, "What's a nickel?" <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's a decent chance that he never learned what it was. <laughs> like he's the kind of guy that just kind of free, you know, just was the, like fuck it. I think the story that you're thinking about, um, they talk about the cover three, oh, like like a three deep, uh, like three deep safeties or whatever, a three deep shell. Like, not quite a prevent because you have, like, a full front seven. Like, most – like, you have four guys down and whatever, and you're actively rushing the quarterback. But you're playing a cover three. And to him, he thought, like, a cover three and triple coverage was the same thing. So the coordinator's yelling at him. Like, there's – why would you throw the ball there? You, there's triple coverage. Why, why would you throw the ball there? And he's like, hey – you said when there's a cover three, I should like try to throw to this particular route. And it's like that's not a that's triple coverage, not a cover three, you <laughs> idiot. <laughs> I think that is like the type of shit that just is the epitome of fire right there. Which is I can understand why that's why it's so lovable. It's just lovable, man. It's just pure joy. 
It's like old school traditional football. Like seeing time after time things that shouldn't work, things that should never ever work, work just from sheer raw physical ability. Like even just take his throwing motion. Like we're used to watching Rodgers now and it's this technically perfect throwing motion where he holds it just behind his ear or like right around his shoulder. He only drops it a little bit, draws it across like across his chest, turns his shoulders and fires perfectly every time. Favre would stand there, hopping around, like kind of standing there in the in the pocket. He'd hold the ball down around his waist, and then when he'd throw it, he'd drop it further. He'd hold, <laughs> like he'd throw in motion. He'd drop the ball way below his waist, like wind up his whole body and just launch it. And that's kind of like how he would end up like moving backwards usually when he was throwing it. He like always... Byron Leftwich had a similar throwing motion. Oh yeah. But he wasn't Brett Favre, so it would take about seven or eight years for him to com- like actually complete a throwing motion. Where Favre, as long and terrible as that throwing motion was, it was still pretty it quick. It just somehow worked. It somehow worked. He always kind of remind- and this is like a very weird analogy, but like I always kind of thought of this uh, the first time I saw the movie was he always reminded me of like John McClane from the Die Hard movies. <laughs> like he was super flawed, nothing special, like. Kind of just came into a situation, maybe a little hungover or something, <laughs> and just, like, figured out a way to get it done. Just maybe like, a little oh, hungover? Yeah, good old, like, American boy, just like, ah, oh, shit, this is happening again, like, I gotta play football, all right, well, let's get it done, you know? Just like, gotta make a play. Yeah, I know, like, I feel like he's the John McClain of football, like, that is his career, was just figuring out how to get it done, even though it wasn't the prettiest or the, the most conventional way. Another thing is, like, recounting some of his big plays, like, talking to him afterwards. Like, so there was the the Sports Illustrated interview with Aaron Rodgers a couple of years ago that we referenced a few weeks ago where he they told him, like, oh, you have, like, 12 play touchdown passes of longer than 70 yards at this point in your career. It was like, yeah, and then he could detail – what route, what route, what defeat, what defense is being run, what route the receiver is running, and like what his checks were, and what like all that stuff. And Brett Favre would have, and especially in that Ray Rhodes year when they were eight and eight, and they shouldn't have been eight and eight, he had game-winning plays at the end where he would go to the press conference after, and he's like, I, I don't remember the play. Yeah, it's really Just blacked out, just taking playing Taking smoothies and Percocets and shit. Well, at that point, that was kind of like the last year, I think. That was like 99. Yeah. That was the year where it was kind of like the come-to-Jesus moment where you're either going to get your shit together or you're going to be dead. Yeah. Um, and that's he kind of turned around a lot as a, as a person somewhat, at least for a while after that. Um. You can't talk about great Brett Favre moments, obviously, without the, the game after his dad died. Oh, yeah, that one. Uh, I thought you were going to say you can't forget about the bad, all the interceptions and stuff. But, yeah, the one after his... I didn't even talk about that. Yeah, we don't even need to. Like, that's just inherent with all this gunslinging stuff. But, yeah, the game after his dad died, that's one of the all-time memorable ones. I still want to find the statistic. I don't even know. I just... And this is anecdotal from watching so many games... I just like so many of his interceptions came when they were already down by more than two score or down by two scores and there was just like nothing was happening. And if he was plays it safe, you lose anyway, so he's like, screw it. I'd be interesting to see how many of those interceptions came when the game was actually on the line. Like obviously there was the two thousand seven game, there was the two thousand nine game when he was at um Against, you know, against the Saints when they were just headhunting him the whole time. 
Which favorite uh, favorite announcing calls, like play calls or whatever, uh, radio calls especially of all time, was on that play when he rolls out to the right, throws across his body, and throws that pick. And the Vikings announcer, like the color commentary guy, yells, like just starts screaming, like incoherently almost, like, but why would you even ponder passing? <laughs> you could take a knee and accept a 56-yard field goal. This is Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. <laughs> if for no other reason that I got to listen to that particular call about a thousand times, it was worth it. They got to see both of them. They got to see both sides. Yeah, well, they wouldn't have been that good without him. No, I know, but that's what I'm saying. That's that might have been a playoff team without him. You had, no, they wouldn't have got to the, the NFC Championship though. I mean, that's the thing you had to, you had to accept no. about Favre is that he was flawed. I mean, he was a risk taker, and a lot of times they paid off. But he had a lot of game losing, you know, like game losing interception stuff like that. I mean, the dude was a risk taker. I mean, he's the kind of dude who. Sends dick pics to him and thinking, you know, like, hell, I'm going to go Why for not? it. Yeah, all or nothing. If you're not first, Ain't you're gonna last. Ain't going to if you don't try. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the same mentality, man. He's that, I guarantee you Aaron Rodgers never sent dick pics before. It's too risky. Well, <laughs> Olivia Martin has been around for a long time, so maybe he sent one. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but he, it was after he calculated the odds. He's <laughs> like, there's an 88% chance she's going to enjoy this dick pic. <clears throat> Well, I mean, what would be interesting to me, um, now we talked about the Wonderlick before, and Rodgers just destroyed Peyton Manning's Wonderlick score. What did Favre get? I have no idea. I could not answer that question. I, I'm, I'd be curious that too. Can you look that up? I know that uh, Peyton Manning got like a 28, which is considered average for an NFL quarterback, um, whereas Rodgers got like a 35, which is well above. Which yeah. Blaine Gabbert got a 40. Yeah. Which I I will never understand that. But Well, I mean, Fitzpatrick got what, like a forty eight or something like 48, that? Forty eight, but he was a Harvard graduate. Yeah. It just goes to show, like, I think that you need to have a certain level, but <laughs> it's not it's not always everything. Twenty two. For Favre? Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Yeah, it sounds... You're right about population average. Yeah, that's what the I... The NFL would... average is right around that's the general population average. 22. There's something endearing about that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like a C. And that's like what far... Like, when you think about, like, what he was... Like, I bet in school and stuff, he was just a C student. Like, he was, he was an A... Like he had well, he was a of, C as in like see you later. Like I mean, yeah. Like <laughs> I feel like he was the kind of guy that bare like under like never prepared. Like Rogers is a preparer. Oh, He's a yes. guy who studies and all that stuff. I think Favre is, and I don't think you. It's really hard to be this type of quarterback in today's football, but I think it's really hard to be what. He was, and I think he's the last of a dying breed of quarterbacks that just kind of was like, "Fuck it, let's see what happens." I no, I I don't believe that you could start a training camp slated as the number one guy and get to opening day as the number one guy and be that type of person. Now, yeah, Favre did it because he was the understudy, the fuck up. He was the guy having a lot of fun, but you needed a year or two to still like, he didn't apparently learn anything in Atlanta for that year. So you're thinking he needs another year or two just to learn. And you're going to teach him how to prepare and how to be an NFL quarterback. And so you can use that arm. 
and <laughs> the magic man got hurt. And he just got thrust into that position. He was like, hey, we're down. Let's make a play. Yeah. And he threw that touchdown. He come back and he, he threw that touchdown pass to Sterling Sharp and just and – But, I mean, there was a couple of years there in the beginning. You know, his first couple of years there, him and Holgram were kind of, you know, tied at the hip. Like, it wasn't for sure that Favre was going to be, like, a raging success. Like, he struggled a little bit his first couple of years. All three – yeah, his first two and a half – like, yeah, three years he struggled for sure. But even his first MVP year in 95, like I was reading an account where, gosh, who do they play? It was like about a third of the way through the season. He had almost as many interceptions as touchdowns. He was struggling. They were going to play a good team. And he was, as you can imagine, hurt, like injured really badly. And he comes out and throws five touchdowns, no interceptions, and they just win in a blowout. And from there down to the rest of the season – he ended up with a great career, like great totals the rest of the year, won his first MVP, and everything after that, as they say, is that. But, like, that was, like, the game when it became cemented. But that was, that was like, a third of the way through his fourth year in Green Bay. Yeah. Those first three seasons, they were rough. They were rough. I, I remember seeing some, like, a football life or whatever, you know, some of those where they go back and rehash the games and they interview the people of it. And it was Mike Holmgren was on, and he was like, you know, I, I hitched my wagon to Favre, but, like, there was a while there where I thought I had made a mistake. Like, he was throwing too many interceptions, and I was thinking I had to pull him or whatever in some games, but I just stuck with him because I figured, you know, like, it's it's him. Like, it, either we're both going to get canned together or, you know, I know, mm-hmm. he, I know he has the potential to be great, and he ended up being great. But I remember hearing Holmgren saying, like, for a while, he wasn't sure. Like, he wasn't sure. He knew that he could do it. But he wasn't sure if it was all going to click for Favre, and it just it did. And maybe that game was the thing where it clicked or something like that. Whatever it was, he figured it out. I mean, that's what people point to as the game where it clicked. And I, I'm ashamed that I can't remember what the team was against because I, I read it recently. Yeah. But um, yeah, like before that, it was rough. I'm like you. There's all like the great recordings of Holmgren on the sideline, where that he's watching the play develop. And he was like. It's like, no, 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 don't throw it, don't throw it, don't throw it, don't throw it. And there's a pause. Like, you could just tell, like, that's, like, he's pausing while Brett Favre's making this throw that Holmgren knew that he shouldn't make. And then it works, and he's just standing there with his mouth open. All right, good play. And he comes over, <laughs> and he's like, all right, put in the backup. Put in the backup. <laughs> and then there's, like, another pause. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on. And then he makes a great – and then Favre makes a great play. I mean, the thing is, like, think who, like, think who his backups were in that time. Kurt Warner was in camp one of those seasons. Mark Brunel Doug was Peterson. one of his backups. Doug Peterson. Who's now the coach of the Head Eagles. Head coach, Doug Peterson. By the way, great career that dude had. <laughs> great dude. How many years was he the backup for Favre? For a long time he was the backup for Favre. Who in two never missed a game. What a, what a great career. I think he had he had at least one season where he never threw he never had a drop back. Wow, that's crazy to me. And like I remember seeing a stat where like the number of quarterbacks who have gone through a season and taken every drop back, and it was like hardly any. Which, I mean, and you think about it now that we're used to mortal like Rogers is at least a mortal quarterback. He gets hurt. Yeah. Like Favre got hurt, but he was so doped up he couldn't tell. Yeah. And he was so non-cerebral anyway. He could be foggy as hell, and he'd still play the same. You know, there's it, when you talk about in whatever sports it is, 
unbreakable records. I think his starts record. I think that's consecutive starts. Consecutive starts. Never gonna happen. I think that's unbreakable. I don't think that'll ever happen. You gotta have the only guy who had a shot in hell of breaking it was Peyton. Mm -hmm. And in that 2011 season, whatever he injured his neck, missed the whole year. That was it. Yeah. And it's never gonna happen. It just takes one game, and I you have to have such a long career and just such incredible luck and with the way the rules are and stuff now i just i can't that's one of those unbreakable records i think well i think the rules make it more breakable now it'd be easier to set that that record now than it was then the fact that he played through the 90s like that okay and never missed a start you're right because it might have been like truly impressive but even given that It'll never be broken. The only reason why I'm saying now that it would be tougher is because all it takes is oh, like concussion a protocols. Like a, yeah, because if you get even like a, a whiff of a concussion, you might have you might be forced to sit a game. Whereas I'm positive there are probably some games where Favre should have sat, and he was like, "No, I'm good. <laughs> like I'll figure it out." Another one of my favorite stories. Um, so this is the 2004 season. Brett Favre was on one of his like consecutive games with a touchdown streaks. And it was up in the 30s, and he was chasing Johnny Unitas's 49, I think it was 49, game, like, games with a touchdown pass streak. And it was, like, into the 30s. Now it was, like, maybe low 30s. I think he got up to, like, the high 30s or something. I think it, late in that season he eventually broke it. But it was against the Giants. It was Eli's rookie year. I don't know if he was playing or if Kurt Warner was, like, his teacher or whatever. He might have been playing that game. But either way... It's like midway through the second quarter, Brett Favre had yet to throw a touchdown pass, and he drops back and just gets decked. Just gets absolutely rocked. Wanders over the sideline, and they're like, they're doing the test, and he doesn't know what decade it is. He has no idea. He doesn't know his name, like anything. And the backup quarterback, gosh, who would have been the backup quarterback in 2004? Was it Aaron Rodgers already by that point? Maybe I'm like. It would have been his rookie year, wouldn't it? It would have been his rookie year. Well, whatever. I think he got hurt his rookie year too, which was weird. And yeah, like in practice. I remember thinking I was like, "Oh God, this Rodgers." This guy's a fragile. joke. He can't get through a practice without yeah. getting hurt for the year. Yeah. And it might have been after that or something like that. Um, maybe it was 2003. I'm trying. To, whatever Eli's rookie year was, I want to say that's when it was, but I could be wrong about that. Yeah, but he just. He just runs all, runs away from the coaches. Favre just stands up off the bench and runs onto the field. Go runs into the huddle. The the backup quarterback's out in the huddle trying to call a play, which I don't even think this is legal. No, you you, would you get, can't even do this legally. No, like once everyone's in the huddle, I don't think you can do this. But he just like ran out there. The backup quarterback didn't know what to do, so he runs off the field because it's Brett Favre. Yeah, and Brett Favre calls some incoherent play. The receivers were like, what the hell are you even calling? They line up. He drops back and just throws the ball really far. And, gosh, I wish I could remember who he threw it to. But whoever it was just caught it, scores a touchdown, and it kept his weird streak alive. <laughs> and they took him out. And they like they just, they just literally grabbed him after that play and hauled him into the uh, into the locker room. Like, you are completely incoherent. Yeah. And after the game, Kurt Warner – yeah, because Kurt Warner was the starter for the Giants – he like he'd come back out and he said, "Hey, you know that was a really good touchdown pass that you threw." And Brett Favre's response was, "What touchdown pass? No memory of it whatsoever." He was completely blacked out. See, that's one of those things where like 
It's a you can't a, do that now. It's a legendary story. It's awesome. It's scary as hell. I mean, like mm-hmm. I'm sure that probably took like a year off of his life. <laughs> <laughs> like, but like, yeah. Nowadays, not only could you not do it now, they just made this rule. I think for this upcoming season, if you fail, like if you fail to do a proper concussion thing or whatever, you can force a protocol test. Yeah, protocol test or whatever. Not only can the player get fined, which nobody really cares about, now you can lose draft picks, which mm-hmm. will stop people from, you know, like, they will double-check all concussions. Coaching staffs will get maniacal about it. Yeah. Well, the only thing that could pop, yeah, so, like, say the game after that. Should he have played the next week even? Now we hold people out. Yeah, he would have he been out. He probably wouldn't have played that next that next week even, which he... They didn't have, like, a stringent of a, of a testing program, but they... they, they Run him through some sort of paces, and but he was so loopy anyway. Yeah, that, that's how could thing, you tell? I felt like that was just kind of his personality, where you're like, if Aaron Rodgers is slurring his speech, yeah. you're gonna be able to tell. Yeah, with Favre, you'd be like, oh, what's up? Nothing, nothing different <laughs> about this. Yep, and I'll make a play. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sharp as ever. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Like that's kind of the. He's. I think he'll go down as one of the most legendary. I mean, like. Okay, so as far as, like, pantheon of greatest quarterbacks of all time, I mean, where do you put him? So he's got one ring. He's not a Mount Rushmore guy. See, I think you're right, but he's fucking close. He's – I can just – there's just – there's easily four quarterbacks better than him. You're right. I just – I do, and obviously I'm biased, but I just – sometimes I understand, like, the negatives about Favre, but sometimes I just feel like, man, you got to give credit to just – volume of work i mean the the games played the wins the well, who's your number one quarterback all time personally and i don't know well this is going to be come super on this recent. shouldn't be like the, well i have two okay. this is okay. super super recency bias and I, I will get shit for this but i i still think tom brady is the best of all time joe montana obviously is probably the the jordan or whatever of it uh you know, jordan of zero yeah I mean, Johnny Unitas, Peyton Manning. I mean, who's your number one? Peyton Manning. It's not even close. Oh, see, I disagree with that. See, there's Peyton Manning and there's everybody else. No, see, I completely disagree with that. I completely – you can't say that's not – it's not debatable because I think it is debatable. Because, yeah, Peyton Manning, regular season Peyton Manning, it's undeniable. Okay, yes, but there's that. But I mean, do you not take into account postseason because he yeah, failed? Postseason, postseason, you have like the any given Sunday factor rolling into it. Things can happen. You have the rest of the team. You, you, like he never had built. Like he had some good coaching staffs, but Tony Dungy was never a great offensive coach. He was not a great coach. I agree. He with- was not Bill Belichick. Like he, Tom Brady and Bill Bel- Belichick just like plug into each other. And make each other better. Okay. And I will give you that. And, and I Peyton Manning I understand was it's not a fair level playing field because I feel like Belichick is the best coach of all time. And Tom Brady, yep. just everything fits all together. I think, you know, you know, like you could say this about a lot of different players throughout history. But you know what? At the end of the day, it still matters when you're talking about the greatest of all time. I mean, Jordan had Phil Jackson. He still was 6-0 in the finals. He's considered the greatest of all time. Part of that is because he never lost the finals and he won six of them. Never had a game seven. Never won a game seven because he never had one. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying, like, you can say 
he didn't have this, he didn't have that. I mean, I think Roger sometimes has been really unlucky on a lot of this stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's still, like, resume still matters. I mean, Joe Montana, I think, was, you know, he was 4-0. If you want to talk about it, like, Jordan. If you're judging a team, like a GM. If you want to judge a GM over a course of time, then those kinds of results are relevant. But we're talking one player. If you're talking about just best, if you're taking about resume off of it, just how he played the game. If you're taking all these players and you're taking them when they were 25 years old and you get them for a decade. Peyton Manning. I mean, you could argue, you know, Marino was one of the best pure passers ever, but, like, you can't put Marino on the best of all time because he didn't have a ring. Um, I mean, Manning, look, Manning's got two. I just, I think he floundered a lot in a lot of games. And the thing about Brady that, like, I understand he has Belichick and all that stuff. Dude's been to six Super Bowls, won four, so he's won as many as Montana. He's been to six yeah, he is he, the modern-day Montana. He's been to the AFC Championship. I put like, him he's been to the equal a- with Montana. I think Those he, two I think to me are like him right there. I, I think it's so insanely hard to win a Super Bowl. And the fact that they've been to six is crazy. The fact that they've won four is crazy. The fact that they've been to like ten AFC Championships is insane. The fact that I think Belichick and Brady, since they started winning the division, have only lost the division one year, and that was the year he He tore his ACL. ACL. Like, that is winning to a level that has never happened in the NFL. What year was that? 2009? 2008. Whatever it was. 2008. Yeah. Was it Castle. That was the Castle yeah, year. Was and he was so Castle good. Got and he, got, he got a contract and uh, That's how good the offensive was. coordinator. What was his name? Charlie Weiss. No. He was the special teams coordinator who went over to Notre Dame. The what? offensive coordinator who got Josh a head McDaniels? coach. Josh McDaniels then got a head coaching job oh, because yeah. of that. Well, people always joke about how Bill Belichick is always just sending out spies into the rest of the rest of the NFL. Uh, just like, yeah, go take a head coaching job and, you know. After you fail, come back to me. Come he, back, yeah. He rehires him. It's not like, like Greg Popovich. I just, I just people think, learn that system and then go out and then succeed. <laughs> I know people hate the Patriots and I, ho- I know people hate Tom Brady, but like that level of winning in the NFL, I don't think can ever be reduplicated. And that's why I put Tom Brady number one. Um, I don't want to like discount history and stuff, but you know, like I just wasn't alive back when I was watching, you know, Joe Montana, Johnny Unitas, Dan Marino. So like. I don't have – I think uh, Montana's probably two. I'd probably put Manning three. I just can't put him ahead of that because he had a lot of bad playoff games, and that's just something I can't discount. I guess, like, I'm using a different criteria. And that's fine. Um, so, like, there's definitely, like, a clutch factor where Brady has a great clutch factor. Um in a, given like a volume of throws and a, a volume of plays and enough time, like if the games went twice as long, I believe that Peyton Manning would just win every time because like eventually he would figure you out. Um, I think in 2007 he had a game against like the, the Chargers right through six interceptions, which is mind-boggling to me. But I mean, so, I mean, these outliers happen. Like, there isn't any given Sunday factor. Like, you run into somebody who's ultra hot. And football is not a, it's not a one-on-one game. Like, you're not checking up the basketball at the top of the key and then just going at each other. There's mm-hmm. 11 players on the field at any given time. And really, you're one of 22 players that's going to be on the field at any given time for your team. Like, you know, whether you're offense or defense. 
and there's just there's more to it than he like his team's lost in the playoffs or or somebody figured out how to beat his offensive line or thwarted his receivers or some coaching staff in, in like combination of, of a defensive backfield figured out enough of the schemes that they were able to thwart them in one game in in a game I think as a quarterback, if I was picking a guy and I'm like, okay, you're gonna you're gonna build the rest of your team, everything else being equal, they're 25, you get them for 10 years. I'm picking Peyton Manning 10 times out of 10. I actually would agree with on agree with you on that. My argument is just basically there is a difference between saying theoretically what should have happened and what did happen. And also, like, part of this, by the way, I give Peyton Manning credit because I think secretly the Colts are one of the worst organizations in football, and they were, they've were they just been lucky enough that they've gotten Peyton and uh, Andrew Luck. I think Ursay is a terrible owner. Luck, huh? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> wait, what did I say? No, you said it right. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just making the luck joke. Okay. They're lucky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, no, I'm just saying, like, I think Peyton Manning won in spite of a lot of Disadvantage. And Bill they didn't Boyd. lose really any players between the 2010 and 11 season. Like, they were basically the same team, except you didn't – like, a lot of times a team falls apart because they, they lose one player and then half a dozen other important yeah. players. They kept, like, that whole core was still from, there. They went from 13-3 to just – First overall pick. First overall pick. And it's just – Was it 2-14? And, between, and that was the Peyton Manning and Curtis Painter. Curtis Painter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Curtis Painter. Yeah. Uh, I think that Cody Pickett ran out there for a game. Yeah. Um, Cody Pickett had one of my favorite games ever. Um, I think, God, who... Man. I think this was before then. I think he was with the 49ers, and I can't remember who they were playing against, but it was at San Francisco, and the wind was so strong that he tried to throw a ball down the field and it landed behind him because the wind was blowing so strong. Some like one of the teams tried to kick a field goal, and there was a gust of wind where it it went up and then blew behind him. Yeah. Another one they tried to kick it, and it it like it started the kick. It looked like it was going to go up and go dead center, and there was a crosswind. And by the time it got to the uprights, it was out of bounds on the side. There was that much wind. I think he threw two passing yards because. Maybe he just, like, tossed it to himself and, and ran two yards. I don't know what it was, but Curtis Painter. Yeah, that was, like, when you talk about wins above replacement, which for, like, stats nerds, advanced stance people, which will never work in football ever. But if you were to come up with some sort of, like, metric like that, you look at those two seasons, essentially Peyton Manning was 10 to 12 wins above replacement. So – this is going to hurt my argument, but you could say with the one. So Tom Brady is, you know, one of the most winningest quarterbacks, which is something I just value. And then the year he gets hurt, they still go eleven and five, even though they missed the playoffs. Yep. So that hurts my argument, but I also think, you know, on that Patriots team, it is fair to say that the one that was a better team. It was a better team that year, but also and Castle is a better backup. Cass. I think a lot of it. I, I'm not saying I'm not. He was not dumb a enough player. to say that quarterback Tom Brady is a system quarterback. I think Bill Belichick just runs. He's more than a system quarterback. He, he just runs the best organization he runs in the football, system and Tom Brady well. just fits it perfectly for him. 
I think Tom Brady would be great on any team. I it's just symbiosis. Think they, yeah, exactly. It's it's one of those things where that he, system can make great an average quarterback good. Yeah, and he's a great quarterback, and that's a great system, and it makes it legendary. And, Yes, exactly. And I just, I'm just one of those. I I will agree with you. I think if you put if you put Peyton Manning and Bill Belichick, if you put Peyton Manning on the Patriots and he has Bill Belichick and they're running that thing, they might have won nine Super Bowls. You know, like I'll agree with you on that. But that's all theoretical. And all I know is that Tom Brady's been to six and he's been to like ten AFC championships. It's kind of like I don't know. I don't know if the difference. I think that Peyton Manning is better. Smarter, which Tom Brady is really smart anyway, but I think as football smart, I think he's a better, but I don't think the difference is big enough to say that you're going to change the number of Super Bowls. That oh, whatever. Much. What, I, all I'm saying is I think Peyton Manning might be a better quarterback as far as just how good he was at playing the position. But at the end of the day, I still just results matter to me. I mean, it's one of those, like, that's one of the craziest winning stretches I've ever heard of the fact that I mean almost 50% of his career he's gotten to a Super Bowl that's crazy that's like when I used to think about <laughs> Phil Jackson about how almost 50 over 50 I think it was over 50% of the time he was a coach in the league he won a finals like he has 11 rings I mean granted he had Kobe and, and Jordan I can't yeah I mean I can't that's I can't compare the two because he took years off in between when yeah. he wasn't going to have that good of a team. A hundred percent. I'm just saying, as far as like all time winning, I think Phil Jackson careers. is like the world's greatest cherry picker. <laughs> he might be, and a lot. Look, a lot of this stuff comes down to situational luck. I mean, you look at someone like, you know, uh, Jerry Rice, who is probably the best football player ever. I would 100% agree with that statement. Um, you know, I don't think there's anyone in the universe that will debate that he's the best receiver ever. But I think he's probably just by, like, when you look at his level compared number to Number one next, and number two. Yeah. 22,000. He's probably the best football Receiving yards. Ever. Number two is 15. Yeah. It's crazy. So I think, uh, you know, but he was, uh, I, you know, he was on a, a, he had Montana and he had Young. I mean, he would have been a Hall of Famer anyway. He was that great. But he also had the advantage of being on great teams. I mean, there's people like – I look at, like, uh, um, Larry Fitzgerald. A number one receiver can still put up big numbers on a not good team. You're right, but I'm just saying, like, he was consistently had a great quarterback. All I'm saying – like, he would have been a Hall of Famer. He was awesome. He just was in a great situation. Like, Larry Fitzgerald is an all-time great uh, wide receiver, I believe, but – for two-thirds of his career, he's had people like Jake Skelton throwing him the frickin' football. And it's like, he still has good years then, but, like, man, when you when you rack up, like, eight or nine seasons of just terrible quarterbacks, and then you have, like, a little berth here with uh, Kurt Warner when he comes in there for a couple of years, and they go to a Super Bowl. Kurt Warner and then Carson Palmer. Yeah, I mean, or Kelvin Johnson's another good one, you know? Like, all-time talent just on a bad team. And I know he had a the pretty... The best single season ever. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that have had just bad luck on where they were drafted. So I Pretty think Kelvin Johnson, quarterback that's ever been drafted by the Browns, physical talent, best ever. Um, I mean, and like the the funny thing about Jerry Rice is that he had very average physical talent. Yeah, he ran a he four was a seven workhorse four though. Like his work ethic was just unparalleled. That yes, exactly. It was 
his game was perfection. Even yeah. when I first started watching football, he was so damn old. Yeah. I watched maybe the last couple of seasons when he was at the 49ers, and then I watched him at um, Oakland with Rich Gannon throwing to him and Tim Brown across from him, and neither of those guys could win a sprint against like the town drunk. But their <laughs> their route running, like from a technical aspect, their game was such profession, like such perfection, and just the hands and the catching ability and just the catching drills that they would do for hours and hours and hours. The problem with like these drills, when you like to be like compared to an NBA player, if you want to be a great three point shooter, you like Kobe, you you. In the offseason, you're going to go make 2,000 shots today. Yeah. And then tomorrow, you're going to switch it up, and you're going to make 2,000 shots that day. The day after that, you're going to switch it up more. You're going to run eight miles, which you actually are going to run every day, so don't fool yourself. And then after that, now you're going to make 2,500 shots today. You're not going to hurt yourself shooting. And a catching drill, whether it's a jugs machine or someone thrown at you, you're going to jam your damn finger one of these times. And <laughs> not like yeah. – just practicing has inherent risks that are going to screw you up for an amount of time. And even given that, because it still be that good, it be so amazing at catching. Like Chris Carter has probably like had arguably the greatest hands ever. But the full conglomeration of good size. Route running. Route running. Hands. Nice long arms. And just sheer like intelligence to like fool a defense. And then combining that fooling along with, obviously, intelligent quarterbacks, there's nobody that's going to be on the par with Jerry Rice. So, yeah, you take him with average quarterbacks over the course of his career, maybe he only gets 15,000 yards. Maybe he only beats number two by 1,000 yards. But the guys after him, what are you looking at? T.O.? Randy Moss. Randy Moss. I mean, Randy Moss is one of those ones where... It didn't matter who was throwing. Yeah, but, I mean, he's, he's the... Opposite of Jerry Rice, where a not the same work ethic, but also on bad teams for most of his career, he athletically was just freakish. I mean, like, I mean, the year that he played with Tom Brady, that when they went the first year, one when they went three touchdowns, yeah, I mean, just under two. That was like imagine if he had if he was on a team like that for most of his career, or even like he was only thirty one. Like, I mean, that's older for football player. Yeah, but if he had a work ethic, he could have maintained that for a few more years. I I understand all that. That was it. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, it's funny when people say, like, man, what Randy Moss could have been, and you're like, well, he does kind of have like the second best records of like all receivers so like you're saying what could have been and it's crazy because i actually kind of believe that it's like what could have been you know he wasted so many years on a terrible oakland team was bad on some like that was several years yeah yeah it was like what three years four years yeah you know it was a long time those viking teams were really good but they never got there you know the patriots team obviously came just so short and then he just had that like terrell owens passed him oh he did yeah, T.O., it's insane to me that he didn't get into the Hall of Fame. I know people hate him and stuff like that, but that's ridiculous to me. I know receivers are hard to get in and all that stuff, but it's just insane to me. Um, He just – he would have been a first ballot guy last year? Yeah, and he didn't get in. Oh, it's, he's such a dickhead. It's going to take him a while. He's yeah, to well, I think he'll probably get in next year. They probably just – the writers, you know, they're the ones who decide. It. They're probably just like, you're such a dick. We're not going to vote you in next or the first year. So you don't get the title of first ballot Hall of Famer. The fact that Tony Gonzalez is number five. I know Tony Gonzalez, man. He's 
He's an Alzheimer. Tony Gonzalez as a football player is certainly better than Terrell Owens and Randy Moss. Isaac Bruce. I always had a thing for Isaac Bruce. Always a big-time fan. The thing is, like, okay, here's what's funny to me. So I'm looking at the list right now. So Terrell Owens is just under 16,000 receiving yards. So between 16 and 15, you've got one, two, three, four guys. With between 14 and 15, you got one, two, three, four, another five guys. And then it just it gets fatter. You get more and more and more guys as you go down. And then between 16,000 and 23,000, you've got one guy, Jerry Rice, just a shade under 23,000 career receiving yards. Yeah. Untouchable. I don't care. He's the best football player ever. I don't care who he was playing with. He had a knee injury. He lost a whole year to a knee injury in there. And also, keep in mind that a lot of his seasons were 14-season games. I mean, we're talking about literally less games played in a season. Mm-hmm. How? No. Yeah. How many of those? Not many of before, those years. Before the the season that he broke, uh, that when Randy Moss broke his touchdown record, that was his record was based on a 14-game season. No. You're wrong. You're entirely wrong. I'm wrong about that. You're wrong by about seven years. Wow. The NFL oh, went to seven to sixteen nice. games in nineteen seventy eight, which I believe, which I'm probably wrong about this, was right after um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers went 0 and fourteen. Right. Well then I'm and wrong. Maybe in two years. But Jerry Rice is a rookie in nineteen eighty five. Alright, well then I'm wrong. He was a I freshman in high school. So yeah, no, like it was analogous. No, like, uh, the records that were truly impressive was, like, running back records of, like, no, no, no. Uh, oh, no Joe this Brown. Was, this is what it was. Uh, wasn't there the, the NFL strike the year that he set that record? There was something oh. – there was some reason why his season was a 14 – the year he that... set the record, it was a 14-game season. I think there was a holdout or something. No. The year he set the record, it was a 16. In yards or what? In touchdowns. The touchdown record. That Randy Moss broke that one year. Oh, the 22. Oh, that year. Yes, it was a 12-game season. 12-game season. 1987. Yeah, he caught 22 touchdowns in 12 games. Okay. That's what you're talking about. Well, the funny thing is that he only had a he had a less than 1,100 receiving yards. Okay, so I okay, I'm so glad that I was right about something. I knew I wasn't. <laughs> I knew I wasn't 100 percent wrong about all that. I knew that the record was broken when there was a, a shorter schedule. That was his third season. Think about that. Yeah, that's crazy. 22, and he st- and they didn't even play a full schedule. That's crazy. I think there's yeah I don't know who is going to debate that he was the greatest football player ever. Do you have a do you have a favorite? Well, first off, actually, did you saw that list up. Hold on. I was going to ask who's the highest on that's actively playing. I would imagine it's probably Fitzgerald, right? I don't. That's okay. Think. I just got to go back I here. Can't, I, can't, I can't think of another receiver. Who so. It depends. Is Andre Johnson Andre Johnson going to play this year? Yeah, he got signed by the Titans. So he's the highest. He's over Fitzgerald. Yeah, he's wow. um, he's a good five um, uh, eight hundred yards ahead of him. Wow. Anquan Bolden is just behind him. 
Anquan, I love Anquan. He's about 200 yards behind Larry Fitzgerald. I love Anquan Bolton. He's in the Lions now. Do you have a uh, favorite non-Packer player? Or even like a team that you like, like an AFC team that you kind of root for? Like obviously not like this is my team, but like one that you're like, you know, if the Packers aren't going to make it, I'd like them to win. I mean, it was always just whatever team Peyton Manning was playing for, just because I like Peyton Manning so much. I didn't even really like him. Like like him that much. I just respected his game so much that I was just like he should win every year. Every year I was cheering for it to be the Packers playing against Peyton Manning, and I just always wanted that matchup, and I never got to see it. Yeah, that's a bummer. That's one of those ones that people for the last I feel like five years, six years have been the the heavy favorites for betting often is Packers Patriots. Super Bowl, and it's never happened. Like, I really would love to see a Rodgers, Brady, Packers, Patriots Super Bowl before Brady retires. That would be spectacular. How much time do you think Brady has left? Uh, I don't know. So, he talks about how, you know, he wants to play till he's, like, 43 or whatever. Like, he's, he wants to play another five years. I mean, I think he's 38 now. Um, Peyton played – last year he was 40, right? Correct. 39. I think Brady is in better shape physically. Not because, like... Brady is 39. 39, okay. I could see Brady having one or two good years. Like, two good years, I could see him playing a third, so he'd be, like, 42. I can't imagine... Peyton's 40 now. So they're, like... Yeah, he's just just behind him. What's, um, but the thing is, Brady looked great last year. He just turned 39. Okay, so they're like exactly a year apart. I think Two years ago, Peyton was pretty damn good. He threw for, what, 55 touchdowns, yeah. and that was it. But here, You so, never know. Like That's the thing. It here, happens fast. When it, it happens, it happens quick. But here's the difference, I would say. And it, all it takes is an injury. Favre went from like a, in the discussion for an MVP season to rubber dog shit. In one year. Peyton also had an incredibly massive back surgery and neck surgery. I mean, that is... It had to take time off. I know it. Well, he he missed the whole season, but, like, that is one of those things that I don't think you ever fully recover from. No, I mean, it had to take years off. Oh, yeah, yeah, off his career. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, he never recovered fully strength-wise. His throwing motion was never the same. Never the same. So Brady's never had that injury. He's obviously had he had the ACL and stuff, but it's not like Brady can run anymore. That's kind of the difference. That's what's amazing to me is Peyton Manning's arm, his accuracy and arm strength were quite poor, and he threw for 55 touchdowns. He set the record for touchdown passes. That's what's amazing to me. Brady has a strong arm still. He is extraordinarily accurate. But, like, he – I mean, he has all of those things still. That's fine. But Peyton did that without those tools still Peyton in his toolbox. Peyton threw some of the best ugly passes I've ever These seen. wobbly ducks. Two years ago when he had that really great season with the Broncos and they ended up losing to the Seahawks in the Super Bowl, there were some passes that were just these wobbly ducks that ended like ended up where they were supposed to go. But like right when he threw it, you're like, oh, God, what the hell was that? And then it's like somehow amazingly gets to where it was supposed to be or whatever. Like he, I actually respect Peyton a lot for what he did, just kind of like using guile. It's, it was like, all his brain. Yeah, but I mean Brady just he doesn't. 
first off, I don't know if if Peyton was the physical uh, preparer like Brady is. Like, I don't know if you've read about what Brady does to keep in shape. Like, he mm. barely drinks. Like, works on his body, like diet, nutrition, like everything to an like an absurd amount. He's a maniac. Yeah, he's a, he's an insane person when it comes to that. Which. When it comes to the end of your career, I think can extend it for a couple of years. Like I really, honestly believe that that's something. Oh, there's no question. And which is something that I give, I get hope about for Rogers because I hear that Rogers is kind of the same way. Where you're like he's really like nutrition conscious and like does all these like yoga and stuff. You know, where it's you know at the end of your career, I I feel like stuff like flexible. Oh, look, say what you want about yoga. I, I just I I discounted a lot of things you just said because you listed yoga as a reason why he's going to play longer. Tony Gonzalez swears by Pilates extended his career as long as it did. I'm not talking about yoga specifically. I'm talking about that there is some stuff general, where, like okay. flexibility-based workout regime. I used yoga just because it was the first one that came to my head. Flexibility when it comes to when you're older because you're just not going to be as strong. But like staying on the field, being agile, not getting hurt, a lot of that comes down to flexibility and stuff. And that's the type of shit, like, I, I remember reading so much stuff about Tony Gonzalez, about how he swears by all that shit, like, the core workouts, the Pilates, like, the, the, uh, I think towards the end of his career, he was a freaking vegan. Like, he was, like, really, it wasn't about being the strongest, it was about being in the best Pilates shape. Pilates are pretty good, yeah, from what I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, look at Jerry Rice, like, same thing. Like, there, I am, again, like, when I was, when I was in high school, like, reading Sports Illustrated... And um, I remember reading an article about Jerry Rice, like one of like probably his last year at Oakland, and he's at a restaurant with his wife, and she's ordering the steak, and he's over there eating a salad and drinking water, and she's or like she's looking at the the dessert menu, and he's staring at her, just like not saying anything, just looking at her, and she like it's like okay, God, yeah, so I won't get the dessert. He's like, why won't you get the dessert? It was like, you're not getting the dessert. It was, of course I'm not going to get the dessert. Are you crazy? Yeah, I'm Jerry <laughs> like, I'm 41 trying to make another season of the NFL. Yeah. Just the fact that he made a roster when he was 42. He made the cut at Denver when he was 42 in 2005. And then said, hey, you know what? Let's call it a career. Do you want to hear my favorite trivia, sports trivia stat that I've ever heard is? Do you know the top two receivers who have caught um, receptions over the age of 40 are? Oh, man. I mean, you can obviously guess who number one is. Well, yeah, that's not even a question. I'm trying to think. Who would you guess number two is? And I'll let you know, you're never going to guess it. Because it's know. a trick question. No, there's no one else. No, it's Brett Favre. Did he really, like, get one batted back to him? He got one batted back to himself, and he caught it, and nobody else has ever caught one. So the first one is Rice <laughs> by, like, a large number, and then number two is Brett Favre. Isn't because Brett Favre's first, first reception yeah. to himself? Yep. And, and his last? I don't know if it was his last, but, was his but last one season. of his last ones. It was ones. certainly his last season. Yeah, well, I think it was his last game, and he caught a reception to himself. So it goes, number one is Jerry Rice, number two is Brett Favre, which is, like, my favorite... That was that game at the stupid Gophers freaking frozen like ton, like frozen stadium, where that he did that too, where he was just getting his face mashed into the ground the whole game and kept yeah, getting well, up and wanting to play more. He caught one of those balls that they got batted back to him, and that counts as a reception in the NFL. So it does. He has two career receptions. 
And one of them was when he was over 40. So that That is one if of the I ever best pieces a, of trivia. Yeah, if I ever ran a pub trivia, I would It would be in it every week. Yeah. That's outstanding. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, I think we're uh, we're coming up in an hour and 25 minutes. You know what's funny is when we started this, I was like, let's start with fire and we'll get to other sports. Or we'll see what else we do. We made I'm a really... list of things, and we haven't like talked about any of those other things. And I know we got to a lot of the – I'm glad we got a lot of NFL just like historical chat or whatever, but like – Watching the Favre, you know, Hall of Fame thing, like, I feel, I'm glad that we did a Favre one. Like, I feel like there's a lot of things. Uh, I, it was great going down memory lane, remembering some of these things about Favre. Because he really did, like, mean a lot to a lot of people, myself included, yourself included. Like For sure. I mean, I, I have to reiterate again. If I had to build a team, I guess I didn't say this before. Like, given, like, kind of the discussion that we had between picking between Peyton and Tom... If I had to pick a team that I was going to, like, I had a decade to build a team around, I would pick Aaron. But as a fan, yeah, who do I want to watch? I want to watch Favre. That's why I just, I hope he, I hope he, I don't even know if he'd be a good analyst. Tell stories, man. Yeah, like, just give the dude a, a talk show or something. I, like, I don't even know what he would be good at. I just want him to be back in my life. He could be, like, the new John Madden. Just tell yeah. story. Give a good play-by-play guy who can, like, yeah. carry the load and He'd just let next, him like, tell yeah, stories. Madden or Gruden or whatever, you know, the guy that's just, like, the funny, you know, just lovable analyst or something. It's weird to think of, as, of Gruden as lovable, I think. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have nightmares tonight, but <laughs> I, I think we're going to call it quits for Episode 6 of the Milwaukee Logic Podcast. If you made it this far, thank you very much. And tune back in next week.